right. Welcome back to Boom Talk Studios on a now turning overcast Saturday afternoon. Fox Striding in a Foxhole, Season 3, Episode 32, Number 96 overall, the season finale of Season 3. Oh yes, folks, we have slogged through three seasons of Tales from the Foxhole. Glad to say that. Looking forward to Season 4. Hopefully going to think about some interesting things to add to what we've been talking about over here for the last now almost two years, three seasons worth, watching a little Major League Soccer, a bunch of good things to talk about in the next episode, the premiere, 97 of, of season four, but we'll get there. Thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful uh, theme music, along with the folks at Mixter. Also, if you want to sponsor, be on the podcast, ftinfx at gmail.com. I'd love to have you. It's been an interesting ride. Definitely enjoy the people that I've had on. Um, my man, Dave Williams, and Cooley Walker, and the Corner Man, and Alec Ford, of course, among the folks who've come and joined me in the Fox Bowl to talk some sports in the previous seasons. You know, some have to put a highlight reel of some of these great conversations. Anyhow, let's get to it. The COVID Chronicles. Well, what can we say about that? Not as much as we have, you know, over, I don't know, the past 96 episodes, as we had always segment would be phased out and I think we're kind of moving towards that just based on the how hard it is to find bullet points to discuss in this segment and but that's there's the funny thing about that even though as, as a, a state like Oregon today lifted its mask requirements so we don't have to wear a mask and we have one of the lowest transmission rates in the country right now, apparently. That's what I was hearing on the news this morning. All good things. I'm looking at the TV over there at Lumen Field. Uh, was the Galaxy and the Sounders are taking or doing battle. Lots of folks. So everything's everything's chill. Hope it stays that way. So you know, we'll start to transition away from that and find something more interesting would do with this segment, but we're not quite there yet. And why do I say that? Well, along those lines, you know, I thought it was interesting when uh, the Nets were on TV. I think it was last Sunday. And they were talking about Nash returning from being in the NBA's quarantine health and safety protocol. And I was sitting there thinking, well, damn, how did I not even know about that? And mind you, I'm always looking for these things to, you know, put together in my outline when I put this segment together, which maybe, you know, if we're not even about the point of telling anymore when people are sick, just kind of, they have, you know, an undisclosed illness and not really saying that it's, it's COVID, that definitely means we've kind of turned a corner or may have something more sinister as concerned. Well, Depending on how you look at it, maybe it's not sinister, but disingenuous may be a better way to phrase it. Nonetheless, I thought it was very interesting that, you know, very little was made when he was out. 
and very little was mentioned of other than I was watching the telecast and they were saying he was happy to be back. So that's another way you can say we've turned the corner. Teams covering up illnesses, probably. Another interesting thing, you know, let's talk about the Joker. Because the Joker, that's right, not the basketball Joker, but the Grand Slam winner and tennis Joker. Well, he was in the news earlier this week because apparently he's got some dates as far as being in the U.S. to, you know, compete and all that good stuff. And as we told you on this podcast a while back, pretty much he could shake off being able to play in the U.S., probably France, England, until he gets vaccinated. If he chooses to not get vaccinated, I mean, you know, once again, he's not going to starve, right, if he doesn't play in these tournaments. It's a matter of now of seeing how many Grand Slams that he can bag. You know, maybe he ends up with the most, or Nadal does. I know Nadal has to lead now. Because why you're not vaccinated and you didn't get to play in Australia. Anyways, give it a hand that. As far as infections go, let's see. You had Arsenal Smith Rowe tested positive, so he's out of the lineup. You have a lot going on in the Six Nations League, you know, the rugby folks. In fact, that was on CNBC, which made me cranky. Like, well, why do I got to watch the Spurs and United on Peacock? And you got this six six leagues, but apparently there's an audience for it. A lot of outbreaks going on over there. Um, matter of fact, um, yeah. yeah, we're at F1. They're over in the Middle East getting ready. And Daniel Ricardio is also in isolation after testing positive. But of note this week, Canada will not let unvaccinated players enter their country when baseball starts up. We'll get to that in a minute, as you all probably know, unless you've been living under a rock, baseball is coming back. All right. So, as we are pivoting, as I told you before, this is the season finale of season three. And as far as what we'll be doing in season four, so sort of pivoting away from COVID, because there's nothing to talk about, I'm just not going to sit here and make dead air. But let's have uh, a slowly bake in a new feature called Hot takes for the week. So over the past week, what did I see that really caught my eye? Well, <laughs> number one would be Amari Cooper, who's probably soon to be of the Dallas late of or soon not to be part of the Dallas Cowboys, calling Dak Prescott the Black Kurt Cousins. I don't know. I almost fell out of my chair. Now disclaimer. You all know that I'm a Washington fan. You all know that I have bitched and moaned about Kurt Cousins probably since this podcast has started. But the idea of Amari Cooper actually calling Dak the black Kurt Cousins, especially when I think Dak is, what, 8-1 versus Kurt Cousins? You know, lifetime, last time I checked. Still, that's a pretty hot take. Um, let me see here. I think the woman suing Jerry Jones claiming... You're my daddy, and that my mama signed an NDA. Well, I know Jerry being one of the more prolific owners in the No Fun League, you would think at some point you would have brought this up. Why are you choosing to sue Jerry now to get paid? 
That's a really interesting thought to me. Um, it's not like you just found out and this came to you. Interesting things. No wonder the owners don't want their dirty laundry ever aired. What else do we got? Okay, my last one before we move on to the 43K view would be this one. How about Skip Bayless? Yes, that's Skip Bayless. That man that has many of stainless steel bulls that we've awarded him for just being Skip. Well, I don't think this is TMCA worthy, but nonetheless, him coming out and basically trying to, you know, reach out to Charles Barkley about Charles Barkley always giving him heat and even wanting him to come on his podcast or come on first, not first take, but undisputed so they can talk it out. You know, Skip, you're a very unlikable guy. You have a certain stick that has worked for you. I mean, as somebody pointed out, you know, with certain moves that are about to happen at Fox, I guess you you and Colin Cowherd are the face of FS1 pretty much at this point. And, and Fox Sports, really, you know, when you think about it, you can't really see that about Marcus Wiley and Acho. But nonetheless... I think it's really hilarious that, you know, Skip's kind of butthurt that Charles is always taking him to task. And, okay, anybody who's watched either First Take or Cold Pizza back in the days knows Skip's stick, right? It's talk about the Cowboys, hate on LeBron, and worship Brady. And because that elicits a response from folks, he's been able to gain traction. I know he gets on people's nerves, but at one point he was a pretty good journalist, a very accomplished journalist that actually wrote some stuff. I think over time it got a little tabloidy, but the whole thing with Aikman and, and things like that, which sort of, we'll just say, kind of tarnishes credibility. But yeah, this nonsense now, it's sort of, you know, this thing with Barkley and actually bringing it up. I mean, or the thing about him getting death threats after getting into it with Westbrook's wife. Ah, anything for ratings, folks, I guess. All right, folks, we'll be back with the 43K view on the other side. All right, welcome back to Fox Trying to Get a Foxhole, the finale of season three. Number three. Why would that be? Hashtag 0332. overall. Can I think of a 96 here in a second here, as I always do. Kind of scrambled here today on this overcast Saturday afternoon, watching Seattle and the Galaxy getting it on at Lumen. Very exciting match. Uh, to perennial, or or uh, how shall we say, perspective challengers for Western Conference supremacy, although the Sounders are off to a very rough start this season. We'll talk more about that in the beautiful game life. Okay, what we need to do is, since it's cloudy, overcast, we'll break up the drones today. We'll just sit back at the 19th hole, scurly enough, Maybe crack an, an early adult beverage, put on our hipster tunes, 
take a high view, or at least the drones, and watch on our computers is what's going on in the campuses of America. Our 43K view this week. There's always a lot going on. So we'll start with the Iowa governor who signed into law this week a bill that would ban transgender athletes from competing in women's sports at the high school and collegiate level. We've kind of scratched the surface with this one for obvious reasons. I mean, you know, there's opinions that you can have, and then there's a the law of the land. And apparently here in the law of the land, they are not having anything to do with this. As far as will other states that follow what the pushback will be, I'm not really sure. This is definitely something um, I'm going to be really looking forward to keeping an eye on in season four, as the, I think the battle lines are being drawn. It's clear, like as the Ivy League, where they think it's okay, some states are trying to push back. As far as why they're pushing back, you can sit there and really have a jaundiced eye towards, as opposed to the obvious reason, as far as the, the unfair competitive balance that certain situations have created in these situations. Like I said, it's going to be an interesting story to keep an eye on. Okay. Another thing, you know, that we've always talked about since day one, it's been, you know, one of the overarching themes, especially with our 43K view over campus, the changing landscape. NIL, transfer portal, coaching carousel, dead money, racial unrest, social change, all those things that we've talked about in our first three seasons. I thought it was interesting to see... The, Oregon's athletic director, Rob Mullins. Yes, that Rob Mullins. You know, he had some interesting things to say this past week on the deregulation of college sports. And pretty much the gist of what he really had to say was that we are seeing further divides between the haves and have-nots. And at a school that he is the AD for, the University of Oregon here in Eugene, where you have Nike... That's you know, you know the Larger of Phil Knight that's built a sports complex that rivals what most sports professional teams have. And the fact that they are doing it for multiple sports is even more impressive in terms of the kind of money that Phil Knight and Nike have been able to pump into a school like Oregon, you know, and I always use as a great example on the other end of that, you know, schools like the, where I went to for my undergrad, Cal State Northridge or Fullerton, any of those schools that are in like the big West. And that was such an interesting contrast this past week where, you know, you have the PAC 12 having its conference championship because everybody wants to be in Vegas. Now we've been talking about that as well over the, over the past three seasons, you know, the PAC 12 over in T-Mobile living large and then that new arena for the uh, the feeder club for the Golden Knights, they built that arena out there in Henderson. It kind of looks like First Bank out in, in Broomfield, kind of a similar thing, you know, about 6,000 people. But, I thought, but that's where the Big West tournament's being held. But in fact, the Big West tournament was the first event at, at this place out in Henderson. I forget what the, what the name of it's called. But it brings back to what Rob Mullins is saying between the haves and have-nots. <laughs> and how that's go only going to get worse. And if you want to, you know, I thought it was really interesting. Um, a lot of things happened this past week, right? You know, one, when you saw Bruce Weber, who's had some rough times at Kansas State in recent times, stepping away 
probably was the time for him to do so. But he did without, or with, I mean, he left a parting shot that I thought was very interesting. You know, as far as the NCAA being toothless, which is what we've been saying all along and continue to say. Like, you know, we're struggling, but yet all those teams that are that were in the FBI probe, in which, you know, I've, I've mentioned many times, as speaking of Northridge, former Mark Godfrey, Coach Mark Godfrey was part of. But, you know, he had a comment about all these schools still being able to play in their conference championships and ultimately go to the NCAA tournament. And, you know, there was some nasty stuff going on there. And, you know, the fact that none of them really got punished to the extent maybe a few high-profile guys like the Cat in Arizona, you know, and Gottfried are out at work. But then again, these guys probably got decent severances. He's just saying that it's so hard to compete and the folks that do not do the right thing are able to still get away with it, especially now in the new landscape. Okay, that was a slight rant, but it leads into what you what you heard about Pat Forty, uh, the guy used to be ESPN, now is at Yahoo, another respected respected columnist. According to Pat Forty, a 2023 recruit has just signed an eight million dollar. NIL deal through a collective associated with the unnamed university. $8 million, people. For all I know, it could be Oregon. But this is the point in the whole thing that I've just been talking about for three or four minutes. We'll be going longer than I wanted to, but nonetheless, these are the kind of things that are worth why we have this segment. $8 million. So even if that's $2 million a year, how is a small school, mid-tier, supposed to compete? If, especially if you can do that for a couple of folks. And when it comes to the lust of having bragging rights and the prestige that it will do for a university, the money that comes along, there is right, there is no ceiling and there is no basement as far as what I think, you know, universities and their boosters will do now that they have a legal license to conduct the conduct business that way. Another thing that happened. Missouri firing Kunso Martin. Bad optic, or is that just where we are right now? Well, I guess both can be true. You know, because a lot of people came out, you know, uh, co- woke and non-woke coaches and really were condemned this move. After all, they were saying the guy was in the tournament last year, that now he is had a rough year, but some people will argue three out of four years worth that good in spite of them going to the tournament last year, given the weirdness of uh, the flukiness of COVID. So, yeah, I think it's kind of a bad optic, you know, right? Especially at a time when successful African-American coaches get fired and never get other opportunities. Yeah, that's a bad optic. But then again, as I've been saying all along, the culture of impatience that is building in all of sports, it probably was time for him to go. And people aren't going to have patience for social justice, letting uh, time for a program to breathe and grow, giving people a fair shake, the impatience factor of, of people wanting to win now and the jealousy of seeing others doing it. 
it, you know, it's created this weird situation where, yeah, it's probably a bad optic, but you take the PR hit because people don't really care about the, those things when it comes to what they ultimately want, and that's to win. Not rocket science, right? Okay. What about Coach K? Got a hard on him last week. Um, yeah, probably will continue to be. That was kind of interesting. His magical night ends with a loss to the Tar Hills. That was also funny. I should have had this in my hot takes in the last segment, but somehow it totally slipped my mind. Psycho T, you remember Tyler Hansborough? That Tyler Hansborough. Wow, we hit the mic. Um, he was like saying, well, I don't know what why we're like making such a big fuss over this guy. After all, I was like six and two in my time that he was there. Right, once again, where you were. Making a big deal about Coach K is cool and, sh and it's necessary and somebody push it back. One of those, another one of those things where both can be true. <laughs> I just thought it was pretty cool. I also thought it was funny that Arch Rival, who he has probably his mo most of his, yeah, as far as an opponent's concerned, having the most losses against in his illustrious career, that they would give his last game at Camperin and a booty whooping. Well, at least more like the the Blue Devils kind of wilted down the stretch. Um, let's see here. What did we have on the hardwood? You know, we've got conference championships going on right now, and there's so much happening there. I'll probably wrap all that up in the next episode as we, you know, get ready to, you know, get the tournament kicked off and things like that, you know? I mean, there's nothing really earth-shaking that, that really happened. I guess maybe, like, bottom-dwelling Nebraska getting another huge upset when they knocked off Wisconsin last Sunday. You know, I can say for the ladies' side, Kentucky knocking off the number one Gamecocks to win the SEC, the SEC tournament. That's pretty big. That's pretty much a big deal. Um, yeah, right? In fact, but yeah, South Carolina is still in rank number one. That's how much they are head and shoulders above everybody else in college women's basketball. Um, yeah, I guess Oklahoma knocking off Baylor. That's kind of a big deal because Baylor's ranked, what, three or four? But so far, nothing really earth-shaking other than the Ducks basically bombing out of the tournament and probably out of the, co the Pac-12 conference tournament, probably missing the tournament. You know, something that does not really happen under Dana Altman's watch. But a lot of bad losses for the folks here in Eugene. So I, unless like UCLA, where so your best cred gets you the final four in, I got to think the Ducks are NIT bound. Okay. Let's, you know, we're at a point of the year where we start looking at what's going on. Oh, before I leave that one. This is probably should be safer TMCA time. What about the Wagner Bryant fiasco? Play, you know, the fans getting into it in the stands. Players wanting to get up there. Hey, you know what? It's just so. I mean, these. You know, this is, is going to be a reoccurring thing. We had a lot of violence happen this past week, but once again, like it's a basketball game. You know, I mean. Getting into a brawl. Why? I mean, is that going to change the outcome? Especially because a team got their, I mean, right? It's like a 32, 34-point deficit at the end. That's another bunch of silliness. Anyways, it's time of the year where we start looking at what's going on. This is spring sports. This basketball kind of winds down, right? And things you should keep an eye on. So, college baseball right now. What do we have? We got the Longhorns 1. Ole Miss 2, Arkansas 3. 
defending champion Mississippi State, six and six down there a bit. Softball, you have the Sooners, Bama, and Florida State. Over in the over in men's volleyball, UCLA has the top spot. In lacrosse, you have the Maryland Terps taking the top spot, while Boston College is residing on the ladies' side of the equation. Okay, folks, that's what's going on high above campus as our drones are coming back to the home base. We'll be back with something interesting on the other side. Welcome back to Fox trying to get a foxhole. Season finale, season three. Now it's raining. Your faithful host, Ken Harlan, here. Time for one of our favorite segments in this podcast. Something you should probably know or things that happened in the sports world that you might care about that happened in the past week. Well, well, well. Where should we start? Well, let's talk about... <sighs> Concentrate, shall we? You know, yeah, right. If you listen to the other podcasts, you know, we take on all kinds of subjects, and we're nothing. Well, there are some things that are taboo, which are obvious, but other things, especially given the state that we live in. So, this comes to Brittany Grenier. That's right, legendary Brittany Grenier, who's in quite a pickle right now. I know I've been critical of her temperament in the past, but I kind of feel for her like a lot of people do. If you haven't heard, and you probably have, what whatever. She got she was on her way back. You know, we all been talking about the previous weeks, and it's hard to escape the whole conflict that is going on with Russia and Ukraine. Well, when the State Department put out an advisory saying that all Americans should get their asses back to the U.S., and Brittany plays in Russia during the offseason, as many do, because as we've talked about also on this podcast, that the ladies don't make that don't make enough money in the WNBA, so to supplement their incomes, they will play ball overseas. Okay, we're rambling. Well, goes to their version of TSA and get and has some uh, vape cartridges in her luggage. Yeah, having the have, right, having the oil. So she's been locked up, basically whatever form of gulag for the last I don't know now 30, 35 days or so. And people are wondering. I know they posted their her mug shot. It's kind of a interesting thing that nobody really knew about this for for a couple of weeks. It's another strange thing. But yeah, what is the lesson here? Because I'm not gonna crumb on you know people. It's legal in most places. I mean, you know, make your own opinions about how you feel about THC. Um, but I do know this. If you're traveling abroad, no matter how liberal you think the laws may be or what you may know or what you, or you may have forgotten, do not put it in your suitcase. You're in the Middle East and some of those places will lock your ass away for 35, 40 years. And now, you know, given that that it's basically Russia against the against everybody in the world right now. 
Probably not good for an American to get caught with drugs. Just saying. Hope this thing somehow resolves itself. You know, diplomatic efforts. But knowing the way things go right now, she'll be uh, hijacked for a bit as part of political theater. You know how these things work. And it's rather unfortunate. You know, our prayers and thoughts that she gets back to the States safely with her family and back to, you know, playing in the WNBA because it's definitely an unfortunate situation there. Okay, MLB and MLBPA. What happened there after all this talk? That's right, people. The MFN strike is over. The lockout is over, and now opening day will be pushed back to 4-7. You know, logistics, you know, there are some things that came out of this, like the National League having to take the DH on, which makes me want to throw up bigger bases, no more... Seven inning double headers, no more starting extra innings with a runner on second base. Really pissed off about the DH. May have to have a whole, a closer look after we've had time to process it. But basically now, camps can open, deals can be made, and deals have been happening. Real, everything is moving quick as you assumed it would once we got the green light. A lot of wrangling between the millionaires and billionaires. Sorry, folks. That's what, that, that's what it really comes down to, to me, still. But nonetheless, we're going to have baseball. I mean, did you really think, as we always say, when, those page, when you start taking those paychecks and wives, girlfriends, baby mamas, and hangers-on start looking at you like, what's up with that? What's up with that, bang? Yeah, things will move very quickly, and that's what happened here. People aren't as stubborn as they were back when I was growing up, and you're going to have these prolonged long outs. Nobody wants to lose out on that cash. Glad to see that they were able to work this out. We will have baseball. Got, you know, Cactus and Grapefruit League coming up here real quick as well. Everything's going to move fast. We'll be talking about it in Season 4. Can't wait to get somebody on here and talk some hardball. So exciting. Okay, another thing. That's good. So I was saying that things are moving fast, and they are. Now, we're worried about Kershaw not finishing his career with a do as a Dodger. A lot of talk beforehand that he would, you know, take a deal in Texas. Well, rest assured, folks of the blue, CK22 will be back at Chavez Ravine as he signs a one-year deal. Fantastic stuff. Would have been really sick and wrong to see Kershaw pitch anywhere else. Hopefully the Dodgers can put it together. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Trevor Bauer. Something else that will be recurring here in the show in terms of people and their bad behavior who have set out a prolonged amount of time, but the league still doesn't know what to do with. And that's, in Bauer's case, as we've talked about quite a bit since this has all went down, MLB has put him on administrative leave. What the hell that means again? And you have to wonder about this, and I'll bring this up a little bit later with another situation. That you basically have somebody sell a whole year. Isn't that punishment enough? You know, tacking on another 60 or 80 games just to, you know, make an example of somebody. I, I'm not sure what that what the purpose of that is. As we've talked about with Bauer, it's a very complicated situation because we don't really know how his teammates are going to embrace him given the severity of the situation. But hey, 
DA didn't want to file charges. Now, that may have been some maneuvering, you know, with money and lawyering. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not part of it. I just know that he has, he did miss a lot of time at baseball while this was being resolved. Now you're going to punish him again, kind of double jeopardy, it sounds like to me. All right. So, good and bad in Los Angeles as far as that goes. And MLB, really going to, you're going to, along with the bringing the DH to the NL, pitch clock. 14 and a 19 second pitch clock. Kind of curious to see how this actually works in in reality as opposed to theory. Uh, <coughs> I get it. You're trying to make the product more appealing and speed it up so get people in and out of there. You know, sometimes you don't really need to tinker. I think baseball did enough tinkering advancing the playoff. And by the way, now there's going to be 12 teams in the playoff as part. That's one more thing I forgot about. But advancing the playoffs, right, uh, as, as opposed to the old system. That was a great innovation. Some of the other things you've, you, you've flirted with, interleague play, all of those things. You don't have to always tinker in order to grow the fan base, right? Um, anyway, enough of me rambling about baseball. It's good to this back. We've took almost eight minutes. Wow. UFC. Big deal. I told you that that Mr. Uh, Masvidal had stepped aside of the big deal. What does he do? He goes out there and gets pummeled. Pummeled. He's watching, you know, the the quick roll that Colby Covington just batters him. You know, it was a grudge match. And so, anyways, he still got paid. Um, you know, now we also met Mr. Usman wants to face Covington in a best of three trilogy. Obviously, everybody will pay mad loot. To make the see that happen, so you gotta think that's something that will, in the days to come, be looking forward to that. Talking more and more as we get, hopefully we can get Cooley Walker back on here and talk some UFC. As soon as I can build my knowledge base up a little bit more. Also had over in boxing, Ramon Chacalato Gonzalez defeating Julio Cesar Martinez by decision in San Diego. Over there on the asphalt. We were in Vegas, and Mr. Bowman squeaks by the always talked about Kyle Larson and as they went to overtime. But yes, Mr. Bowman takes the, the checkered flag in Las Vegas. And over on the links, you've got Scotty Schiffer winning again as he wins the Arnold Palmer at Bay Hill by one stroke. Kind of cool to see everybody out at the... Florida, you know, one of my favorites, you know, right, the fourth, as I used to always call it the fifth major, and I always felt that, you know, right, by moving the PGA to spring, they should actually, you know, take the TPC Sawgrass, the Players' Championship, and move it to the end right before the play, or make it part of of, of the uh, FedEx Club playoffs or something, you know, it's really cool, because I kind of feel that the PGA you know, being in the springtime and this sort of like being you know, on the hills of the masters, it kind of cheapens it a little bit because it is, you know, unofficially been the fifth major. All right, folks, we're rambling even about golf, but Scotty Sheffer definitely on a roll. Okay, we'll be back with the NBA beat on the other side.
Alrighty, folks. Faithful host Ken Harlan back here for some more Fox Trotting in the Foxhole, the season finale, season three, episode 32, number 96 overall. Oh my, that rain is coming down. But, you know, it took me a second to think of, you know, a 96. Uh, it just shows you how many brain cells I've killed with the adult beverages and other fun stuff. Uh, but Cortez Kennedy. Yeah. Eight Pro Bowls. Member of the 80s All-Decade Team. Obviously Hall of Famer. So, oh yeah. Cortez <laughs> Kennedy, as far as who we give love to in episode 96. The season finale. All right, let's talk some NBA beat. So last night, Pop becomes the winningest coach in NBA history. Hits the milestone last night as the Spurs shocked the Jazz, 104-104 to 102 in front of the hometown fans down in San Antonio. Like I said, his 1,336 win passes uh, Lenny Wilkins. So how do we feel about that? Well, Pop has five championships. Five championships, that's all right. Well, that's all right by me. It doesn't put you near the ringmaster, but it definitely solidifies your self. And I think in the latter years, with the lack of talent, you know, obviously, you know, pulling the shenanigans to get Duncan and also being so bad to get David Robinson to kind of start this whole thing the Spurs have had. But they've fallen off on recent years. And I don't know if that should go against him as opposed to just, you know, the economics with San Antonio not wanting to play the game that a Los Angeles, you know, or a Miami or a Philadelphia or a Brooklyn has done as far as being able to attract, you know, the A-listers there, the super teams. So there are super teams. He hasn't quite fared so well, but, you know, and five rings is five rings, people. You know, coach Hall of Famers, um, you know, being outspoken and being woke, probably rubbed some people they all, the wrong way. But then again, he stood tall for his country. So whatever you do that, at least in my opinion, you know, whatevs. But anyways, you know, we just have to like, for, for, for props achievements, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Job well done, Pops. Okay, obviously, our engineering skills are a little bit slow today, or our reaction time, as we're watching the second half now of Seattle and the Galaxy. Um, okay, the, the train wreck that's the Lakers. <clears throat> Excuse me. You know, I try not to talk too much about them because it makes it seem, you know, me being a Laker fan, and I try not to talk about my teams if I don't have to. Well, I will because the. I like high-profile teams that happen to be in the news that are talked about and, you know, are conversation-worthy. And the Lakers definitely are conversation-worthy, especially with the, the the high. they mean, they stink on the court, but yet LeBron at 37 can have two 50-point games. Going for 56 points, having a sortie and having to miss a game, and then last night going for 50. Oh, my. Do we have a hell of a game here as the Galaxy scores on a set piece. Wow. Can't wait to talk about that next week. But, yes. Anyway, Braun scoring 50 twice. But in the meanwhile, Lakers still having bad losses. Then we have Russell Westbrook 
coming out and crying about being called West Brick. Russell, Russell, Russell. Why don't you worry about playing control and grow a thick skin? When you have that nonchalance and develop a reputation of being a stat patter that does not get it done when it matters, is been more of a destructor than a creator, right, or a collaborator as far as a team's championship efforts are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Much, much you can say about that. I mean, even, like I said, his wife getting into it with Skip Bayless. Um, you know, and I, it's, I, you bring this on yourself. I mean, I wanted to believe this would work, as a lot of Laker fans have, but I'm sure everywhere he's ever been, people wanted it to work, and in the end, it's just a bad taste. All right, enough of that guy. I'm sure we'll be talking about more. Things that happened during the week. So on Monday, we have the Sixers slapping the Bulls around. The Bulls are really stumbling, as I've been said last week. That kind of continued this week. That Lucas 35-16-7 was interesting. You know, it was a mouse beat the Jazz, so that's two tough losses for the Jazz this week that we, that we can talk about. We had Joker, we had the basketball Joker having a triple-double, that being the catalyst over the Nuggets win over Golden State, as Golden State's been a little bit wobbly. I mean, what's, when, what's malfunctioning? Is Draymond that much? We've talked about it in the previous weeks. It's really starting to become glaring. And those in the know have a lot of concern when it comes to the Golden State Warriors right now. Um, speaking of the Bulls, should we be concerned that the Bulls are 0-14 against the top three seeds in either conference? Yeah, I think so. Because at some point, you're going to have to face those teams. Maybe the regular season doesn't count. Maybe the regular season says you are what you are when it comes to facing teams that are elite. So if you're a Bulls fan, you should definitely be concerned about being 0-4 against the top three seeds in either conference, should you get that far. What, that, what it tells me right now, you won't get that far if you don't change that trend. Not rocket science. Up and down with the Nets, as they kind of flip around 500. You know, we saw Kyrie, because it, it was all about having 50 this past week. Kyrie put up 50 that helped the Nets in the four-game skid. Of course, Jaw went for 52 the same night, and the Grizzlies win. Bucks, they're hot again, always off the radar, even though they are defending champs, but somehow we seem to always forget about them when we start talking about who we think is going to win. They just put together a streak where they won six in a row, so you better keep an eye on them. You know, the Suns, we talked about the issues that they were having, which, you know, obviously CP3 out, and then Book going into the league's quarantine health safety protocol. Well, Book returned, and the Suns get a very impressive 21-point win the other night down in South Beach as they beat a Heat team, which I think has been very impressive and operating completely off the radar as well. You know, are we convinced this team is going to win the West? No. Because we don't really know what the West is going to look like. Now, I know the Lakers are a complete uh, waste treatment facility right now. But if AD gets back on the court and has time to acclimate himself and could manage to stay healthy for more than five minutes, 
I don't care. That's going to be a, a tough out. Draymond comes back to the Warriors. They're going to be tough. Right? The Nuggets might be able to get, you know, add a piece here at the end. So, you know, it's, it's hard to say. I'm not, I mean, they had a great run, but there's something about the Suns team that seems kind of flawed to me. And so, yes, I will say they're the favorite, but do I, do I, am I completely sold they came out of the West again? No, I'm not. Okay, and then we had the TNT showcase a couple of nights ago, since this is Saturday, you know, where we got kind of a first look at what should be the rivalry of the immediate future with the Sixers and the Nets going at it in Philadelphia. Obviously, clanking Ben still trying to get back on the court. Didn't matter. Nets, who've had their struggles, look like a team that, hey, they get, you know, Simmons back, look out. Because, I mean, they took Mr. Harden and Mr. Embiid to the woodshed. Simple as that. Um, you know, one of the more impressive wins of the NBA season, in my opinion. Okay, folks, we are going to take a break, and we will come back with some beautiful game life on the other side. Welcome back to the season finale of Fox Drug in the Foxhole, number 96, giving Cortez Kennedy all kinds of props. Really enjoying this Galaxy Sounders match from Lumen. Obviously, coming a little bit weather up there. Man, did you see, well, you probably didn't because most of you don't watch MLS, and I'll talk about that momentarily. But uh, the weather down in Miami as LAFC and in Miami went out. All kinds of wind, rain, pretty nuts. Okay, let's get to the point where we talk some beautiful game life. Rough week over there. You know, obviously, if you pay attention to sport, and this is one of the more bothersome things, you know, where, you know, I guess I'll probably save it for, for maybe for the next segment. Let me see here. How, how am I going to do this? Um, yeah, we'll do it in this one. So, what happened in Liga MX? Or what didn't happen in, in Liga MX? Had a really a disturbing moment down there, which, if you follow soccer Twitter, and you follow the beautiful game, you know this was a very ugly moment where, you know, fans of, of a team in Liga MX attacked supporters from the, from the team that they were playing. Um... Reports are, if you believe Twitter, there are like up towards the 20 to 30 people that died. The official report says 26 people were injured and there's a couple of people that are critical. And the media has really been hardcore about suppressing anything about this story. And if you saw any of the images, you saw bodies that were that were lined up next to one another. They looked to be conscious. They looked to be dead to me. But, you know, in the era of Photoshop or whatever, who who the hell knows? But I know this, that, that the global media turned a blind eye. And I have a hard time, you know, at least what I saw, 
Now I saw people, families being chased, you know, with kids by thugs. I mean, I mean, just so much hardcore thuggery. It was just really ugly. It disturbed the, the the football proper community as it should have. And I think a lot of people it took, you know, people took a moment this week to get together and have dialogue as far as emphasizing we're here to root our squads on, be part of the supporter culture, but this doesn't mean coming to the grounds and getting our heads beat in or actually ending up dying. Um, apparently, you know, they, they suspended matches the next day, but, you know, business went on as usual. I mean, the owners of Quintero will have their band and I've told they'll have to sell the club. Their supporters have been, you know, they're going to play in empty stadiums for a year, which I think it should be five years. I mean, so there's some sanctions, but I'm, you know, but obviously clear enough. It's not clear enough, and I don't know whether you should go check out the videos if you haven't seen them. As far as you know, type in Liga MX, uh, you know, brawl, and yeah, you know, probably not because it's pretty disturbing. I, I think it speaks for itself, and I think banning. The fan, you know, having no fans for a year for the men and women's teams, and banning, you know, the supporting groups for for three to five years, it's harsh. But from what I saw, she's man, you know, you should be regulated down to the next tier for when your team behaves like that. So I or, or I don't know, and you know, especially interesting because we have so much going on globally. We talked about the ongoing thing with Chelsea, you know, where Chelsea can't. Chelsea can't buy sell players because they don't they don't want Abramovich getting any profits. Uh, he's been now suspended by the Premier League. It's a weird situation. I know people want to get in there and buy the team, but because of the connections, this is a it's kind of getting ugly. It hasn't really you know, affected the pitchers. You know, obviously Chelsea, you know, depending World Cup and Champions League. So, anyways. Still crazy stuff that has to be, you know, worked out there. But Chelsea's facing even tougher sanctions. I mean, heck, they even suspended their credit cards and stuff. I mean, just that. Yeah. Not sure how this is going to work. We obviously saw a match in uh, UEL cancel because it had a Russian team in it. So, yeah. You know, as I said last week, you're really seeing it in the beautiful game first as far as, you know, having an impact with teams not being able to participate. Okay, we're getting deep here. Okay, um, you know, the Timbers. Another, I mean, they've got recordings of management telling Polo's wife not to press charges. Good. Great. You know, and I'll talk a little bit more about this in the next segment in terms of MLS, but this is the kind of stuff that all leagues, you got to be better about. Right, and it's it just as you've got, you've got Congress snooping around, you know, the toxic workplace cultures. Things like this aren't helping the situation, you know, especially with these fan bases who are, you know, for the most part, very woke, if not straight up social justice warriors, or at least a significant part of them in that demographic, that their love for the game also matches their care for the world that they live in. So, not a good look, Timbers. Kind of a bummer that we'll, we'll shift gears here and get more get to the cooler things. But this isn't cool that Weston McKinney's done for the Serie A season. 
His availability for the summer is in question as his injury is turning out to be, or it's not healing as quickly as people thought it might. Um, quick shout out to, let's see here. We're all over the place right now. Um, Bradley White Phillips, the legendary BWP. What a career this guy's had, you know, with the Red Bulls, quick stint with uh, LAFC, with the crew, helped them out. But yeah, you know, one of uh, the dominant players in MLS, in MLS's 27 hit years. So good shout out for him. Okay, UCL, big week. So after that interesting tie that Byron and Salzburg, reality set in for Red Bull Salzburg as Byron puts up a seventh spot. Good night. Leeway had a, a hat trick in the first half. I mean, what, do you, what else can you say? Liverpool hang on to advance best in her 3-2 in aggregate. City has no problems. Meanwhile, PSG! Yeah, that PSG. That team of the Remontada. Well, they did it again. And they are the laughing stocks of Europe once again as they collapse on the big stage. And Real Madrid advances 3-2. Ugly scenes afterwards as Nasser and Leonardo. Okay. You know I'm a BSG fan, so I'm not going to go deep in this. I'm already hurting, and I don't know what the rest of this year even means. Things have to be blown up. Yes, it was a bad call. Should have been VAR. What the, what the F is it there for if you're not going to use it? That goal, that first goal that Benzema scored should have been disallowed as he fell down the room. Even though it was a lazy pass and it shouldn't have been there, yeah, that was about the other the other collapse of guys like Marquinhos and Donnarumma, who are supposed to be world class among the best, playing like little bitches. It's tough for us fans. We'll soldier on. We bleed red and blue. But once again, PSG showing why they are not a big club. We'll leave it at that. UEL, Frankfurt, and, Le and Lyon get impressive wins. So that's what's happening there. Over in the CONCACAF Champions League, a lot of happening there. Good week for the MLS teams as New York City wins 3-1 and Hartford have something to say about that in the moment. Seattle, who's been struggling and I'm watching right now, gets a big win at Lumen, clean sheet 3-0. And the Revs won big at Gillette in, in the cold weather over Pumas. So, but Montreal dropped three points at Cruz Azul. So we're looking forward to the uh, reverse ties this coming week. Great stuff going on there. Over in EPL, Chelsea and Liverpool picked up wins. United steamrolled by City in the Manchester Derby. Pretty ugly. But, you know, United bounced back today. We'll talk about that next week. City still leads Liverpool by six. as We headed to this week's set of fixtures. Real Madrid, who took care of PSG in Champions League, took care of Real Sociedad. The Real lost at home to Asuna. Barca and Atletico Madrid post wins on the road. Uh, Real Madrid leads that league by eight in the Bundesliga. Byron's cruising, leading by nine. Byron and Leipzig both had draws last weekend. Serie A, Roma gets a huge win over Atalanta. AC Milan gets an even bigger win as they take down Napoli on the road, 1-0, even just wins at home. So that means AC Milan is holding a slim two-point advantage over Napoli at this point. Well, yes, yeah, two over Inter and three over Napoli. So that's going to be a great race as we get down to the end of the Serie A season. About two months left. 
over in League One. Paris loses on the road again. Tough week for Paris all around. Nice Cartier, he was, you know, when he was at Lille, now that he's at Nice, he asked PSG's number. Maybe PSG should hire him as opposed to the marshmallow they have running that squad right now. I don't know. Um, you know, Lil Lil won at, at, at Claremont Foot. Yeah, okay. Monaco won at Marseille. PSG, despite its struggles, still has a commanding double-digit lead in League One. MLS. Big story. We'll talk about it more in the next segment. The big crowd as the Galaxy beat Charlotte. It's a similar moment. We'll talk about it more about that in a second. Another big crazy moment. Rob Bradley's home debut. How about giving up four goals to Red Bull New York? 4-1. Very ugly for uh, Toronto. I don't think things worked out well for them again today. We'll talk about that next week. The crew stumbled. You know, I don't know how the crew and the Quakes ended up 3-3. Crazy, crazy there. Uh, the Union find two goals late to take down the aforementioned Montreal. The Rapids bliss a listless Atlanta, which was, you know, I was after I thought Atlanta came out the gate. Got my questions about them because it seemed like they did not really care. You know, and the Rapids had a really easy time taking care of them. The champs played to a scoreless draw in Vancouver. Not sure what is up with the Sounders, you know, but I think it's they're trying to win Champions League, okay? And I, get, I got that now when I wrote this. I was like, what's up with them? And they're, they're, they're having their moments with the, with the Galaxy right now, but they've got a lot of fixtures you know, compressing us a small amount of time. And I think any MLS team at this point that's, that's in the, the Champions League, that should be their focus to get MLS, you know, a uh, chance to actually win it and play in the Club World Cup. Makes sense, yeah? Uh, don't look now, but the Verde, yes, that Verde in Austin. They have scored 10 goals in their first two games. Fool's goal, we shall see. LAFC and 10 man Portland played to a 1 1 draw. That was an opportunity for LAFC to take three points, but then again, they were lucky to come over for the draw given how listless and unconnected they were throughout that match. All right, folks, that was a, that was a healthy bit for the beautiful game life. We'll be back with a closer look on the other side. Welcome back to Fox Rank and Foxhole. The season finale, season three, 03, 32, 96 overall. Cortez Kennedy in the house. Okay. Wow. Sounder score again. What an incredible match. Can't wait to talk about that next week with our trip through the MLS. Heck yeah. It's a great match. Fun time up in Lumen. Okay. This is our segment where we take a moment to look at a couple of things that went on in the week and add some, you know, analysis, rants, whatever the case may be. Just something that we, wow, hit the table. <laughs> we take a deeper look into. So let's start off with 
the gambling angle, shall we? Well, I bring up the gambling angle. You know, we could go back to 1919. Go back to, you know, 1876, whatever, right? I mean, it's always been taboo. And as we've talked about in the three seasons of this podcast, the whole partnership of gaming and sports and the weirdness that I thought was going to happen that really hasn't, you know, but you knew it was going to. And it really surfaced this week with Stephen Ridley getting a one-year suspension a la Alex Karras, Paul Horning, you know, those guys who, who got a year suspension for gambling. Um, you know, I, and the whole DraftKings thing and, you know, and the accessibility of being able to do it online because he was obviously outed as being a partner in the NFL that it's their obligation to look for act, suspicious activity. And if you're an athlete, you can't be doing these things. Some people feel this is too harsh and that, you know, the, our, our whole view of gambling is antiquated. Hell effing no, it's not. Uh, you have the privilege of being paid to very lucrative industry you belong to. All they say is don't gamble, a few other things, you know, like don't beat up your wife and girlfriend, even though they, they somehow seem to front upon that less. But gambling is a no-no. And it, it just it's just not worth it considering what you have going on, you know. And I, you know, can applaud these services, even though I think they're shady, but they're on top of it because it's bad business for them, you know, when it comes to the integrity. And you just can't have that, you know, because the, the whole Pete Rose thing always comes back up when these things happen. And, you know, Pete's paid a hefty price, but that's what, and I mean, the gambling um, statutes, the words forbidden. That's why why they were drafted in the first place. That's why Kennesaw Landis in 1919, after the whole thing with the White Sox, the Black Sox went down. Um, you know, in Ridley's case, and I know that he had to take some time to get away from the game for mental issues and things like that. Yeah, you know, maybe you had a little too much time on your hands, but just one of those things to wear. To me, it's not even a gray area. It's just, you know, while you're playing, stay the hell away from it. You know, don't even place bets through other people. Just focus on on your craft and getting paid very well and putting things away for retirement so you can do all the DraftKings with your buddies when you're done playing. That's just the way I see it. Okay, let's move on to the MLS myth and perception, shall we? Okay. Why is he talking about MLS so much in soccer? As one person told me, nobody cares. Actually, it's an interesting point there because when you think of the viewership, which is so anemic, there is a point because nobody wants to watch it on TV. But as we saw in Charlotte last week, with 75,000 people, or yeah, basically 75,000 people is a, a new record. It was quite the scene. It made me think, and this is something we've been talking about as well uh, for the three seasons that we've been doing this. <clears throat> MLS 2.0 and 2.5, whatever you want to call it, you know, there's a lot of enthusiasm with the fan bases, you know. Um, 
ethnic age demographics. And I feel that, it, that, that the popularity of MLS, which is on the cusp of, in certain ways, becoming the third sport in America, but it does not translate when you watch the TV, because it's such a grassroots movement as far as, you know, it's only in its 27th season. But it's weird because, okay, for every good thing you see, like Charlotte having 75,000 people, you see hardly anybody at the defending champs, right? You know, opener. Then the defending champs are playing in CONCACAF Champions League because of the whole fiasco with the stadiums that have to be the regulation, the whole the Yankee Stadium thing. And most of the people there are from the Guatemalan side. Okay. Um, it, it, right. It's just, it's mind boggling. When you think of the LAF, all the people like I saw from LAFC that traveled to Miami, you know, right. For every one of those, I won't say that. Cause I think it's a lot more because they've added a lot of teams, you know, get ready to have a soccer specific stadium opening up in Nashville. The seat, you know, now that Austin looks to be a force, that's a great scene down there. Charlotte. <sighs> it was a hell of a, of, of an opening act. But they don't have it together in the front office is what I'm understanding, you know, once again. Because my thing with Charlotte is, okay, 74K for one night, that's great. But if you suck like FC Cincinnati, can you sustain it? That's been the great thing about the five stripes down in Atlanta, you know, who are, they've had many crowds in the 70s, but have pretty much always been able to draw between, I guess, 35 and maybe 60. You know, it's not a fluke. And that's the problem I feel with MLS, you know, because I think that in the other places like LAFC, you know, where it's just stadiums, what, 22,000 people, it's kind of reasonable to create a world-class experience. But I think in some of these bigger venues, if you are not successful. And with TV, I don't know. I mean, I don't like, I've always complained that it's not promoted well enough. Um, but would that change? You know, I don't think this is more of a thing that you have a cult of folks who are in the stadiums, like with LAFC. They don't necessarily care that much about the league outside of their own club. So they don't really watch the other games that are being televised because between FS1, Fox, the ESPN family of networks, and TDUN, and that, you know, all the stuff that's going on in, you know, the. The, the Spanish language channels. And if you have ESPN Plus, there's plenty of ways to watch this sport. But, I mean, these numbers are absolutely just... When it's time to sit down and talk, it's not going to do... It, it, it's not looking good. And you wonder why they get disrespected because there's only a small cult of people here who, you know, really watch it. And oddly enough, a lot of foreigners who have taking a liking to, you know, this quirky league. You know, that's what the audience is. And it has not really gotten mainstream. Like this big Seattle-LA Galaxy match I'm watching right now. I mean, I'm sure it's going to have a fraction of the audience. And yes, there's conference championships going on. But nobody cares about college basketball the way they used to. I mean, oversaturation there. But yeah, this is a big matchup early on in the season, you know, with two teams that could have a say-so. And I bet you the numbers are going to be paltry. Okay, we'll close it with this. MLB and the perception game. Well, you know, you got to give MLB this. 
this could have been a disaster. You know, and now instead they come across perhaps looking like heroes because they sacrifice their differences so we can have baseball. Sounds like a good storyline, doesn't it? But as I said earlier, I just don't necessarily buy it. I'm like, oh, okay, now you're in a situation where our paychecks are being missed and the reality of, you know, having the BDE, and you all know what that means, you know, as far as having a certain type of energy goes, that, okay, it, 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 it's time to cut a deal. And from what I understand, you know, the owners came out on top again. And what do we understand for the next five years, there's going to be a lot of animosity. Each other looking down the barrel, thinking, well, I could have screwed you more, or no, you're going to have to quit screwing us. But, you know, once again, if you, if, if, like in the other sports in this day and age, if you can't bunker down, you know, for an extended period and say, yeah, I know we're going to be missing out on these paychecks, but this is what we want in order to get what we want and make the owners cave to us. And that's just not going to happen. And so while this was a lot of posturing, once we got into the window where, hey, you're starting to talk paychecks, just saying. All right, folks, we'll close this out on the other on the other side with the NFL report and some TMCA time. Thanks. Alrighty, welcome back to Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, the season finale, season three. 03-32-96. Okay, having to redo this segment. Somehow, I didn't hit the record button when I was doing this yesterday, so it's actually Sunday now, watching Arsenal in Leicester City. All kinds of crazy stuff has gone down since I started this podcast. PSG had a match this morning where Neymar and Messi were booed by the folks at the Parc de Prince. Yeah, we have a lot of cool things to talk about. You know, obviously Curry had a big night, or well, actually not Curry, but uh, Clay had 36 Warriors take down the Bucks. So a lot of cool things we will be talking about in episode 97, the season four premiere coming out probably in, I'd say about five or six days since we were so late getting this one out. So anyways, let's get us out of here with some NFL report and some TMCA, TMCA time. How about that? Yeah, I've had to switch everything up. We're using the P4 instead of the Roadcaster. If you notice a little bit of a sound difference, I apologize for that. We're kind of scrambling as we realize this, this segment that we recorded yesterday wasn't there. Okay, enough rambling. Okay, so let's. where do we start as far as the NFL report is concerned? Well, I think you have to start with Deshaun Watson, obviously. Deshaun Watson, and I mean, there was a lot of things that happened this week, obviously. Let's not even kid ourselves here. This is a big week as the league year begins in earnest this week. So all the dominoes that were supposed to fall in terms of how things are going to shape up for the 2022 season started occurring. 
But the main thing was, and this wasn't the first domino that fell, but the but it was a pretty big one because it had been in limbo based on Deshaun's legal situation. The law and Deshaun's legal situation was resolved this week as he will not be charged with any criminal counts. Obviously, he still has to do battle with all of the civil suits, but. You know, whatever, that's a formality. He's not going to jail, basically. Now it really comes down to what Commissioner Goodell is going to do. And as I was talking earlier, this is where my head um, spins because the guy set out all of last year. So that's 16 games. Does, do we punish him further? Especially if there is no legal charges to be uh, filed against him, you know, with, with, like with Bauer. So at some point, you just have to cut your losses. It may not look good, but I don't know if punishing these uh, Deshaun or Bauer further after basically making them sit a whole year makes any sense to me. You know, and, and obviously, if they're being douchebags and what it sounds like in both cases, these guys are, I'm not condoning that. You know, I'm not. But at, at some point, what is excessive if a DA is not going to parse charges? So what does that mean that he's available now? We're pretty sure that Lovey and the McNairs are not going to be able to make peace, right? I mean, I just think that, that, that you don't have to be a rocket scientist from Caltech to, to figure out that Houston's probably not where Deshaun wants to, 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 to waste the next phase of his career. So it probably comes down to, to me at least, maybe Pittsburgh, Seattle, Tampa Bay, of teams that have the roster that can win now. I like Pittsburgh because, you know, obviously with their situation with Flores, their organization has the credibility that can sort of take on a PR nightmare with this and actually turn it into a good story. I mean, look at Big Ben, obviously. I mean, Big Ben probably should have been locked up for what he did to that woman years ago. And yet, the Steeler organization themselves never really took that much hit point damage. I mean, that's that's for facts. I feel like with Brian Flores, same story. As somebody, as I've said many times previously, um, a snitch, only that organization could be the one that would be able to take, this on, take him on. I feel that way. Seattle is a little bit more tricky, and it just kind of depends on how desperate they, they want to... to be relevant again, you know. I, you know, the same reasons why Michael, when there was thought that Michael Vick might land in Seattle years ago, just like, mm. but we'll see how desperate the Allens and Pete Carroll are. And why do I say that now? Because obviously, when we talk about dominoes falling, Russ getting traded to Denver, nobody saw that coming. Matter of fact, I came out here and said. Yeah, I, I think it would be silly for Seattle to trade a very, not even serviceable, but a Super Bowl winning quarterback. The guy who played in two Super Bowls. But apparently, most of us were wrong. And now, Danger Russ Wilson is now Mile High Russ Wilson, along with Sierra <laughs> Mile High. Um. It's an interesting move. You know, Denver's got a strong defense. They've got great weapons. Arguably, they are a 
Super Bowl caliber quarterback away from being able to challenge in a very tough AFC West and just a tough AFC in general. Um, you know, a lot of people wondered because the commanders, for one, apparently had a better offer. But Seattle maintained the party line that they did not want to trade him within the the NFC, which a lot of people are kind of calling hogwash because you're going to only face Washington every so amount of years. But I can see that, you know, not wanting to get him out of the NFC. I think it's kind of a weak argument. And I could, and as far as Russ is concerned, people are like, well, why would you want to play in that division with Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and Derek Carr? Well, at 34, Russ still sees him as being very light, very elite. And the, that he's tailed off a lot the last couple of seasons. Well, I mean, he was injured last year. Um, and some people have said that they have the book on him. I don't necessarily believe that. But I think this is a good opportunity for Russ to prove to everyone that he's still among the elite. And what better show, showcase to do that than playing in the AFC West with all of these fantastic quarterbacks of the future? Well, Carr's not a quarterback of the future, but you know, Carr's somebody who's about to get a breath of life, supposedly, with Josh McDaniels coming to Las Vegas. Okay, so that's going to be very interesting. You know, we'll be talking about that as we lead up to the upcoming NFL season quite a bit. And then the other big domino that really kind of started this chain reaction was A-Raj deciding to stay in Green Bay. So pretty much the brass there, because they franchise tag, they, fran- they put the franchise tag on Devontae Adams. So they're bringing the band back. And as we've said many times, that's not really a bad thing. After all, what they've had, what, 13 win seasons, I think three out of the four, three out of the past four seasons. He's put bagged a couple of MVPs. You know, once again, grass is not necessarily greener on the other side. And I think for his legacy, it would be, it would, it would have, it behooved him to stay in Green Bay. It, it really did. Yeah, he could have gone someplace like Pittsburgh or Denver or Tampa Bay and possibly got a ring. But, you know, that would have had the cat calls. Whereas you're on a team right now that, by all intents and purposes, should have won a ring the last three or four years. And I almost feel for his legacy. Yeah, he's got enough love. It's not going to keep him out of Canton. But, you know, all the hardcores, Skip ba- from Skip Bayless all the way down to myself, he's going to have to always answer to us with some of our questions. You know, unlike that's what Tom Brady did, was Tom Brady went out and won more rings, even though he was comfortable with three or four. He won three or four more rings just to shut all of us up, you know, the the most hardcore cynics. And unless Rodgers gets another ring, probably two, I say, there are going to be people, rightfully so, who are going to question this guy's legacy as being all hype and not much substance. And I don't care about Pro Bowls and all these other things. Yes, people, we play for jewelry. <laughs> all these pe- all these rockheads are trying to say, oh, dude, rings aren't the only thing. You're right, they aren't the only thing, but they are the measure. They are something that is undefinable. Yes, we know Trent Dilfer has one, and so does Aaron Rodgers. And that's why Aaron Rodgers needs to step his game up now that, he's, now that we know he's going to be in Green Bay. Okay, so now after all that dust... What's left? Well, we know we told you last week about Mitch 
Trubisky pretty much being the prize acquisition. Well, we had another big move that happened, a bit of a perplexing one. We told you about the state of Carson Wentz in previous episodes and how we could probably be cut, possibly. Well, the Washington Commanders, yes, that's right, the Washington Commanders, they make a trade. One that's not necessarily popular with the football world, but I think if you take a deep breath, it probably makes a lot of sense, or could make a lot of sense if this works out for Washington. If you look at the, the, the bulk of Wentz's numbers, it's far better than anything they've had in Ashburn in many years, you know. I mean, obviously, we'd have to maybe Kurt Cousins, and even Kurt Cousins, you know, was hard-pressed to put up some, number, some of the numbers that Wentz has put up. We know he's a head case, and, you know, reading some of his tweets last night, if you're a Washington fan, will make you probably scratch your head more. And it's true that I don't know if they overpaid, okay? You have to eat a salary, but the, but the commanders can walk away from this if this doesn't work out. And I think that's the key. You know, what people start whining about, well, it took up all of our, case, our cap space. Well, do you think the Rams are complaining about cap space? And had it not worked out, the Rams could have figured out a way to get, get past Stafford and try it with somebody else. I mean, mid-tier quarterbacks are going to cost you between 24 and $30 million, okay? You know, we were talking last week about Deshaun Jackson, you know, screaming. When he signs his next contract, what do you think that's going to be in? In the 45 to $55 million range? So when you get an elite guy, you're talking, you know, anywhere, you know, up $40 million up. So getting somebody who's decent that can get you in the playoffs for $28 million for a one-year rental, that seems to me like a bargain. I don't know. Um, but then again, the football world will never like anything that happens with the Washington Football Club. That's just, you know, it didn't used to be that way, but in the era of Dan Snyder, that's pretty much um, standard fare. Okay. What do you think about A.B. and, and Yee? saying they're going to buy the Broncos. Well, we always need comic relief, don't we? <laughs> I mean, one, do they have that kind of scratch? B, do you really think the NFL's Board of Governors is going to approve AB and Kanye, also known as G, as, as ownership for a flagship franchise like the Broncos? Probably not. <laughs> okay. Um, other big moves, uh, along with the Seahawks moving Russ to Denver, they also release perennial pole bo bro <laughs> perennial pole pro bowler Bobby Wagner. Bobby Wagner still has a lot of good tread on his tires. Could be a great acquisition for a lot of teams. It's just the aforementioned Washington Commanders, for one, although we wonder if they've got the cap space now that they signed Carson Wentz. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where Bobby Wagner lands as Seattle continues to trim the fat so they can be relevant. Because, you know, you get the sense from the folks in Seattle, they think they that, that this rebuild, they can do it quickly if they get the right guy under center. See that Mike Williams of San Diego, since there are so many Mike Williams, but Mike Williams, Justin, one of Justin Herbert's favorite targets, his people are a lot happier this week as he signs a three-year, $60 million extension, which means 
if a receiver is going to be pulling down 20 mil a year, what do you think a mid-tier quarterback for those people who are still scoffing at the whole Wentz thing? Yeah, he could have gotten released, but then again, it would have been a bidding war. That's what is going to happen for any quarterback that's got even a scintilla of skill. Anyways, I'm rambling. Okay, so apparently it's official now. Troy and Buck are going to the mouse. They are leaving Fox. Not sure what this does as far as Fox's broadcasting team is concerned for the NFL. I think it's a big hole. I mean, I think it's kind of a reach to have guys like, um, you know, three-legged Greg and Kenny Albert and those guys move up to the number one chair. I also don't know, given how... Monday Night Football, as I've told you in the past, has really been de-emphasized from what the showcase it used to be, from the matchups, and just do it kind of being an afterthought with it being on cable. And moving Buck and Aikman there, is that supposed to restore the prestige that, you know, the, the, one of the flagship time slots the league had? I don't think so. I mean, I like this a noble idea. I guess I want to know more, and I'll, I'll definitely be looking to find out more on the offseason as far as why this move even makes sense. Okay, folks, let's do it here. We're rambling. Let's get some TMCA time. You know, that weekly journey of handing out the stainless steel bowls of the smelly varieties that come in regular, complimentary, and XL sizes for people whose actions have warranted being awarded for the TMCA. I know that was kind of awkward, wasn't it? Okay, let's start out with Julius Randle. Yes, right, Julius Randle in the New York Knicks. We will give him a regular size one. Why? Because you cannot put your hands on a referee. Come on, Julius. I know you get very temperamental from your days with the Lakers, and I know that things in Gotham are kind of melting down. But Julius, you cannot put your hand on a referee. Same goes for Mr. Sabonis. He shoved a ref. He gets a stainless steel bowl of smelly varieties as well. You guys, I know officiating sucks. We talk about it, we talk about it on this podcast all the time. Still does not give you the right to put your hands on an official. You're lucky the suspensions were even longer, as they should be. Okay, I'm going to give a couple to the global media. I'm going to give two XLs here. One for completely ignoring the Liga MX nightmare. Right? I mean, just completely going... Right? Radio silence. I mean, you make the big deal about the girl in Stanford and how... And which was a tragic story. I'm not picking on that at all. I mean, I, you know, I think that's... Anytime we can highlight mental illness and we talk about Naomi Osaka again next week, you know, she had a kind of a meltdown. I don't want to de-emphasize that. But, but the problem here is, is like, we're going to make a big deal about this and completely repress, you know, one of the worst incidents of fan violence probably this century. Yeah, you know, there's something wrong here. And I think Global Media deserves a big XL for that. And they also, I'll, I'll give them a complimentary for this one. I'll give one XL and one complimentary. I mean, okay. We know PSG, as I said a minute ago, getting booed today. You know, they embarrass themselves. And But I don't how the Global Media tries to incite everybody that hates them and their fans. Yeah, you get clicks. 
But at some point, you know, let the people suffer in silence as opposed to inciting all these keyboard clowns, you know, it, yeah, just like ESP, ESPN FC, many of these other outlets, you know, always have to bring up how much money that QSI has spent and all this other stuff. You know, it's just, yeah, you know, knock it off, right? You know, I think the result speaks for itself. And believe me, the fans definitely know the embarrassment and shame. You know, if, if Neymar and Messi are getting booed in Paris, I think I think the message is clear. We don't need the global media inciting folks. Um, I think, did I say Stephen Ridley earlier? I meant Calvin Ridley. I'm giving you Calvin Ridley one for betting on games. You make too much money and have too much of the charm life to, to put it in jeopardy making bets on DraftKings, man. In fact, I'm going to give you an XL, man, you know. And I'm going to give an XL for all the people who are out there trying to defend him when it's just sort of like we all know since 1919 and even before that, gambling, that's never going to be tolerated. It's always going to be a black eye. And he's lucky that he only got the fate that Alex Karras and Paul Horning, the one, the you know, the standard one-year ban. You know, we know people who've been banned for life. Okay, I'm gonna give one to the NCAA. I mean, with this Bellarmine situation. Okay, they won the Atlantic Sun Conference. They're a team that came up from Division Two. I guess it's a tiered process where you have to like go through four years of competition before you're eligible to play in the tournament. Well, the squad won their conference tourney. And leave it to the NCAA to not have the foresight to say that, okay, we if you win the conference tourney, we will waive this little process that we're doing and we will let you play. Because what a great story this is coming from Division Two and winning your conference championship. But leave it to the NCAA to still be three time zones behind its brain. Okay, we're going to give one to Buddy Bayheim for using his privilege to get away with trying to be all thug life in, you know, the, in their conference championship tournament, you know, throwing a punch at somebody. It's because your dad's a coach and considered to be a god, you know, in, in the college coaching fraternity does not mean you get to use your privilege and go all white thunder on somebody. Come on now, man. And speaking of, the Kent State basketball players getting suspended for trying to pull a Miami, you know, the seventh floor gang, coming out with a video on Snapchat where they were being vulgar and disgusting in terms of some of their opponents. So, yeah, Snapchat videos disappear, but people are wise enough to, to somehow screen cap or video the things that you do. And sooner or later, when you do bonehead things like this, it always surfaces and goes viral, and you get in trouble. Haven't we learned already that if it's something that could probably get you in trouble, and there's a possible way that somebody can make a record of you ailing in that matter, it's probably going to lead to bad consequences. Not rocking science, right, folks? All right, folks. <laughs> we have wrapped up another season of Fox Trotting a Foxhole. Three down... Hopefully many more to go. Stay safe. The masses are coming up. Uh, things are going back to normal. We're going to have baseball on April 7th. We get the brackets announced today. Soccer competitions are heating up. A lot of good stuff. So 
season four is going to be a blast. I mean, just some of the things that happened in the last 48 hours that I didn't talk about in this episode. So we're off going to be we're going to be off and running. Till then, stay safe, have many adult beverages, and have some fun while you're at it. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs>